0: Hi and welcome to the Morton Brown Family Wealth Intentional Wealth Update. I'm Katie Brown and I have Dennis Morton and Cody Demmel here with me today. How are you guys? I'm
1: great. How are you? Good.
0: Good. So we are recording this on May 11th and we want to help meet you where you're at today, acknowledge what's going on around us and the world around us, acknowledge that these are challenging times, but I think there are some silver linings along the way. And so we just want to highlight some things that we take as, as positives for where we're at today. So with that in mind, why don't we just check in on where we're at today? Cody, if you want to run through, how are we doing in the markets?
2: Yep. Where we're at year to date, as of this morning, the aggregate bond index. So this is the U.S. aggregate bond, which is tracking overall bond market inside the US. So down a little, right around 10% so far year to date. Then we have the S&P 500. So we have seen a little bounce back here so far this week where we're down close to 15% year to date. And then we have the international market, which is off a little more and that's off around 16% year to date.
0: This is looking at year to date, which in the whole context of things is a pretty short time horizon. What happens when we extrapolate this out further?
2: Yeah. So when we go, say, if we, we go to three years, which, of course, includes the huge downturn we saw in, in 2020 when the pandemic first first hit us. But if we look at a three-year return of, of these indexes, so the S&P is up almost 50% still over the last three years. Not 50% every year, but a 50% total return. The international market is up right around 12% over the last three years and then bonds are are pretty flat, which is what we would want from from the aggregate bond index while well, we've had all this volatility in the market.
1: I think it's pretty interesting when you extrapolate this out and put get you a know, timeline more than year to date. Year to date this year is especially tricky because to where the year began, it is right at the top of the market. Yeah. That's not always the case. What if the market had peaked in October, then the year to date number would be much less and you know we would have finished off last year, but just Time stamping on 1231 of last year, your starting point for this year, it just makes things look relatively worse. And and, and that's why you have to be careful on always looking at longer time periods to gain some context, right? Because in reality, this looks much better when you factor in the returns that anybody with stock exposure has had the last few years. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And I think also looking at if you could go back three years and say, okay, over the next three years, my stocks are going to be up, in the US almost 50%, international 12. I'm holding value in my bonds. And that blended portfolio is landing, you know, somewhere around 25, maybe 30% up, depending on your tilt. That's a pretty good annualized return. And I think it's really important to continue to keep that context because these cycles are going to happen. And, and when we look out over the longer term, it's really important to be able to take that step back and say, I'm not using all of my money today. I'm not using it all tomorrow. I'm probably not using it all in the next year. Whatever money is set aside in investments should have some time horizons longer than the immediate here, now, and today.
1: Right, and Katie, you and I were talking before about just having having the right mindset to approach this. One of the conversations I've been having with clients is to think about all of the stocks that make up an index like the S&P 500. If you're, if you're the CEO, of Johnson & Johnson or the CEO of General Motors, your job is to figure out how to navigate any environment, whether inflation is high or low, whether interest rates are high or low, whether it's a recession or not. Your job is to deliver for your customers, take care of your employees, manage your profit margins, all of those things. Now imagine yourself as an investor, you are the CEO of your financial life. We don't get to pick what the outside functions are. We can spend all day wondering what Jerome Powell is going to do with the next Fed meeting. We can wonder what the next inflation print is going to be. Or we can say, I'm responsible for navigating this, whatever may come. And what kind of outlook am I going to have? Am I going to take an optimistic approach? Am I going to know my numbers really well? How can you really just embrace what's going right and then capitalize on that?
0: Yes. I love how you just said there, Dennis, you alluded to making that decision. We all have the choice. We can focus on the challenges right in front of us, we can focus on all the bad news is on the television, or we can choose to say, all right, let's look at where we're at, where my family's at, where I am at individually, what's going on in my life. And let's make sure to count our blessings and acknowledge the things that are going right and that are within your control and be empowered that you have things within your control that you can direct one way or another.
1: Yeah, because I think there's a lot of underlying strength happening in the economy right now. If we were talking about whether it's the depression or other financial catastrophe, sometimes even if you want a job, you can't find one. But look at Katie, talk through these numbers. here.
0: Sure. Once again, looking at the last three years and we have the number of U.S. unemployed persons and that unemployment spiked up at the beginning of, of the pandemic and then came back down very rapidly, but then continued to kind of work its way down so that we are at sort of similar numbers, post-pandemic as we were pre-pandemic, with about 5.9 million Americans that are unemployed. I think the fascinating thing though, is looking at the number of job openings. And so over this same time period, obviously things dropped off a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic, kind of recovered, and then they've continued to grow. So if we look at these two numbers together, There are almost twice as many job openings as there are unemployed people. The ball is really in the court of the individuals to say, do I want to work? And I have so many choices out there to do it. That's the sign of a healthy economy, not so much a pre-recessionary or recessionary economy, which I don't know if we want to (laughs) kind of dive into that a little bit, but there are whispers of what's happening, what's around the corner. And I just think this is an interesting take on that.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I think this is fascinating. And I think one thing to point out is we've obviously seen higher inflation numbers over the past year or so, especially here recently with inflation getting above 8%. But that many positions are open. And if we have that many openings and they're not able to hire some of the people, that's why potentially we're seeing the higher inflation because some of the supply chain is is still not able to make up and pick up the work that, that they were doing pre-pandemic. But you can look at the positive of it, as, as we were saying, is there's still that many jobs. It's not as if you can't get a job if, if you wanted to get one.
1: The market cares a lot about degrees. It's not whether things are objectively good or bad. It's whether they're getting better or getting worse. It's why the Fed is acting. It's why inflation is high. Is because things were getting so hot. The economy was running hot. Demand was really spiking up coming out of the pandemic. If things need to slow down a little bit, to rein in inflation, to tamp down demand so that we don't get runaway inflation, we really have to look at it and say, okay, things can still be good. They're just not going to be as crazy as they were last year. If you remember back to you know 12 months ago where you had literally stocks that were considered jokes, like you know AMC Theaters or GameStop or something like that, that were just going through the moon for no reason other than the belief that stocks always go up and there were retail traders flooding in. That part is unsustainable, those crazy speculative things. And whether that crept into non-fungible tokens, certain cryptocurrencies, all those things, it just the speculation just went rampant. That's unsustainable, and that's the risk that's being wrung out of the market. Now, we all catch some of that because it affects a lot of other things. It changes the conditions, but the conditions needed to change. We need to get to a place where interest rates are normalized. We need to get to a place where speculation isn't rewarded without consequence. That, that has to happen from time to time but that doesn't mean things are terrible. In fact, it can kind of create the new good if we look just a little bit to the other side of this.
0: We've talked about sentiment before, but there's definitely been a shift in sentiment too. Like you said, 12 months ago, there was, I think, mainstream feeling of, there's a lot of money to be made and I'm gonna go make some. And, And sentiment was really high and we've seen that come down, which does again become another indication that we're not gonna hang out here for too long. Usually when when things start to sell off and people are feeling bad about it, I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're, we're probably not too far away from it. Yeah. Uh, once you start to kind of get that that lower feeling, that shift in sentiment.
1: Yeah. And even, yeah.
0: even the high, that thought process last year, that was probably an indication that this ring out time was going to happen soon, That that we were going to have a pullback, that things would start to normalize. And I think that's what we're seeing here a lot of these movements are not because there's a broken economy or anything else. I, I I think there's a lot of underlying strength, but it's that return to more normal valuations, normal rates, normal inflation, all of that stuff. It just, it takes some churn to get there.
1: Yeah. One, one thing we heard recently, and we'll close with this, Michael Kitsis's team put out an article about client communication and how to, how to talk to people when they're you know feeling fear, feeling a little bit out of source with what's been happening in the markets. And they had a great construct where we talk about if somebody calls their advisor and, and they're fearful of the markets, ask them, if this were your best friend calling you, what would you tell them to do? And your advisor asking their clients, what would you tell them to do? So, Cody, what's something, if, if your best friend called you, was really fearful about things, what, what would you say to them? Or what would you advise someone to say to that person?
2: Oh, just to make sure that they, they have a, the right thinking about it, make sure that they still have their, their long-term goals in mind, make sure that they have a good understanding of the risk tolerance. And I think that's something that everyone should dive back into is when everything was going good, you may you may have felt that you could take on a lot more risk because everything seemed like it was going to go up for forever. But now that we've had a lot of volatility, that's definitely something to, to re-look at and just make sure that you have a good understanding of, of your risk tolerance. Katie, how about you?
0: Um, depends on how much time I have to talk, like how much time do they have for me to talk. You're, you're,
1: <laughs> you're, your friend really values your wisdom. They'll give you the <laughs> But
0: I think, you know, I in, in my mind, I'd probably go through a, a short little checklist I'd say, okay, do you have cash on hand? If, if something came up tomorrow, do you have a bucket that you're pulling from? Do you know what money comes in, what money goes out? And that other money that's sitting over there, do you need it tomorrow? Because if you don't then just safely ignore it for now. Like Cody said, as long as you have an understanding of the mix that's there, obviously I'm assuming this person's not uber aggressive in some of those meme stocks that we talked about. So as long as you have some sort of diversification or balance there, then safely ignore it. It'll be okay, it'll be there when you need it. In the meantime, just focus on your yourself, your day to day, and don't worry about that.
1: Yeah, anyone who knows Katie is not surprised that there was a checklist involved. So I do like my checklist. <laughs> Katie's checklist stuff's checklist. Um, so I, think, I think for me, I would, I would tell somebody, if you're feeling fear, if you're feeling high emotion about all of this, be careful about your energy. Like, How are you spending your energy? If you're spending a lot of energy just tracking things that much more closely, checking your balances all the time, watching TV news, getting, getting churned up, Instead of focusing in on the things that you can control, like you would check, I, I would suggest you know, focusing that energy to going back and, and looking at your, your spending and your income plan. If it hasn't changed, then, then don't worry about it. I think a lot of what we hear from people that will call us up having just been inundated with a lot of information, most of which is not relevant to them. It might affect the economy, it might affect a lot of things, but it doesn't change your plan. So just be careful about using the valuable energy and resources that are best spent for your relationships and, and you know, lifestyle and everything else. On things that are that are really transient, which this too shall pass.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today. We hope that some of this context is helpful, in, in your conversations that you're either having, you know, with your spouse, your family, or your best friend. So, and if you have any questions or anything that you would like us to talk about or revisit, um, please feel free to reach out to us at mooreandbrownfw.com. All right, take care. Have a great week.
1: Thanks. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. More information is available at our website, www.mortonbrownfw.com.